0: Hey y'all, welcome back to the Power & Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Solana Lewis. Today's episode is a really freaking good one. Y'all grab a notebook and a pen, get ready to take notes. You might want to listen to it on half speed so you can really soak in as much of it as you can because I speak with the world's strongest accountant, also known as Delaney Wallace. Not only is he an IPF world champion, but he is out here helping people like me, online business coaches, to really take control of their finances and to understand the business side of running a coaching business. This conversation was really good. If you're an aspiring coach or you already have some clients and you're like, maybe I want to go and get more clients and turn this into a real stream of revenue, or if you're any sort of small business owner and you don't know where to start, and if you should even, you know, heck, get an LLC, then you're going to get a lot out of this episode. I'm only two years into running my full-time coaching business and actually having it be an actual business. So I learned a lot from this episode. And if I was me from two years ago, I would have wished someone put this information out for me and really talked about how it can help me as a full-time online coach. So guys, again, get your ears ready to hear everything try soak all of it in and definitely want to listen to the end where delaney literally puts out basically a business proposal for anyone <laughs> who is interested in the idea he has uh, it was a good episode you want to hear the whole thing so let's go ahead and dive into it after you have pressed the subscribe button yes do not forget to press it go ahead press it right now if you're on apple leave a five-star review and rating If you are on Spotify, go ahead and leave a five-star review and subscribe to the podcast. And if you like YouTube, we're on YouTube. I'm underneath Solana underscore lips. You can watch this whole conversation as well and subscribe to the YouTube channel. All right, now let's actually get into today's episode. All right, y'all. I am here with the world's strongest accountant, Delaney Wallace, also 83kg IPF world champion. As of 2022, I am so excited to be in your presence, friend. How are you?
1: I'm doing all right. Excited to be here. Uh, I think it's going to be a good podcast. Uh, Just happy to be here, really.
0: Yay. Oh, my gosh. How are you feeling? Even though we're not talking about you as an athlete too much today, how are you feeling post-me? It's been a few months. Have you, like, calmed down? Like, like how is it being a world champion? Like, do you feel like a a new man? Like... (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh no it's it's uh it's funny. I think uh post meet it was the weirdest post meet experience I've ever had cuz I think the the hype of it all was just so much and there was just so much that went into it so now that it's done and, like, Sheffield isn't until, like, next year. A lot of stuff isn't happening until next year. A lot of, like, the first few weeks were just, like, so what do I do now? Like, <laughs> do I just go back to Lifton? But, um, no, I still think that there's a lot to prove and a lot of work to be done. So, you know me, I just kind of put my head down and, you know, just grind away. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the the experience was great. Um, it was a super blessing to also have my family there and all that. So it was a cool experience. But, uh always a lot of work to be done and Joey makes sure that you that you stay humble and you stay on your game so nothing nothing crazy there business as usual
0: have you gotten like any special like, oh no like special offer since you've been like a world champion are people like DMing you like hey please represent my brand please
1: <laughs> yeah a lot of a lot of yeah got got a few um uh people reaching out for stuff a lot of it's like hey you know if you buy our product at 50 percent off and you get a code you get something and so now nah, you know some things are a little bit bigger obviously there's like you know there's SBD. um we got the sponsorship with the the meal prep comp- meal prep, prep company healthy kitchen and then uh now i'm working with titan nutrition um uh, there we go on the supplement side um but other than that just working on some other things uh Just trying to make sure that everything just aligns with what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to build. Um, So slowly but surely, just piecing all that together. But yeah, after you win a world championship, your DMs definitely get flooded, uh, whether it be with companies or just people in general. (laughs) So it's a a different
0: experience. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So cool, though. Proud of you, friend. (laughs) All right. So, but guys, we're here today to talk about Delaney as the world's strongest accountant. However, we were just saying before the podcast started, you're not really like the average accountant. That's not like truly your job title. So explain to the peoples exactly what your job title is and what you do and why you call yourself an accountant, but that's not exactly, exactly what you do.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. So the, uh, the story behind it all was really, um, so I, I work in finance. My official title is a financial planner um and and really the story behind it all was as i was building up growing my practice bringing in new clients uh a couple of just places that we weren't allowed to market as a registered representative series 6 63 67 um uh, series 6 65 um securities licenses your investment licenses uh the sec and finra just like the governing bodies don't allow us to market on instagram TikTok, anything really other than linkedin and facebook um But I had a decent following. People were already kind of reaching out to me for things because they knew what I did. Um, And so what I did, I think a couple of years ago at this point, um, I actually went to the IRS, registered myself as a tax preparer. So an accountant, like your kind of -of run-of-the-mill accountant that you would see at like H&R Block or or something um, so that I could technically file taxes. I think filing taxes are dull as dirt. um, So I personally don't handle the tax preparation of things. I do more tax planning. Retirement planning, investment planning, business planning—all of the kind of more creative stuff that I think is a little bit more fun—and um, then I outsource the CPA uh, tax preparer work to you know a number of different CPAs that I have close relationships with, and 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 we work with clients on. So um, technically. Um, if you go on, you know, to the IRS website, I, I'm registered um, and I can file taxes, but uh, you will not see me doing that. I think it's dull as dirt, and uh, I think there's more impact on the other on the other side when we get to get to actually plan instead of be a a note taker or a history taker, as uh, most CPAs and accountants are.
0: Very nice. Okay, so basically, take <laughs> care of everything but the taxes. Got it <laughs> in the book. <laughs> 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 which is everything. I won't do it.
1: I won't do it myself. Uh, I'll outsource that. <laughs>
0: do you own your own business or do you work for a company?
1: Yeah so the way that this industry works um, so technically I'm a statutory w2 employee um, so essentially what that means is it's the best of both worlds so I essentially receive 10 to 9, 1099 or you know pretty much sole proprietor um, or business owner type income where I can write off I can use deductions and all that. Uh, but through the mother company that you broker your investments through, because we need to broker investments through somewhere, um, they offer, you know, the benefits like health, dental, 401k, and stuff like that. Um, so, but all my clients are my own. If I leave, my clients are my own. They do, they report directly to me. Um, I really report to nobody except for SEC and FINRA, the governing bodies for a compliance standpoint. Um, so, to it, it can get complicated and convoluted, but for all intents and purposes I, I run my own business with just the, the back end support on a compliance side, uh from a larger company on that end.
0: Okay. That's actually cool. Like they're still your own clients though. That's really nice. Yeah,
1: it's 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 nice when the clients are there. When you first start off and it's your first uh, three months and you're trying to build up clients, it's not nice because you, you eat what you kill. So I have all the, the risk as, as a, a normal business owner would have, whether you're opening a deli or a powerlifting company or a brand or whatever. Um, you know, but you also, as, as things progress and grow, um, it, it's also nice to know that you know everything that's yours is actually yours um, and there's not competes in all of that piece. So.
0: So, speaking of collecting those first few clients, if you are a product and coach or you're attaining clients and you get to a point where you're like, hmm, this is growing. I might need to file an LLC or I might need to, you know, make this legitimate business. That's why you're here. Let's talk about, like, what you need to do to essentially be a successful product and coach, but just like the financial business side. So starting yeah. out, right, if you're someone who has quite a few clients, you're like, yo, I'm going to come a full-time coach. Um, I was personally told, okay, that means that you should get an LLC, and I got one. Can you please explain if you believe you should get an LLC or if you, can, you think you should just, like, file independently? Like, which one's better? And then also, what is an LLC for the people?
1: Yeah. Um, so LLC, Limited Liability Company. Um, essentially, an LLC is – think of it as a buffer – or like almost a shield that protects you personally from legal obligations in case something were to go wrong. That's like kind of this one of like the simplest reasons. Like if you have a rental property, I suggest you putting that in an LLC. If somebody slips and falls in front of your house, you can't personally get sued. Only the house can get sued, right? It just protects assets. Um, me personally, I believe that anybody that's receiving income from any business, full time or part time, should look into opening an llc and I'll I'll, I'll I'll say why um you know i'm opening an llc just for like the small little sponsorship stuff on things that i'm doing it makes things cleaner for you um it also protects you from being audited um and it also just makes the process of trying to utilize deductions a little bit easier um and and, and the reason for that is um when you have a separate entity or company that you're flowing everything through and I, I suggest you open up a separate bank account like a business bank account and your personal bank account uh the reason for that because if you do get audited and they find out that a you went out to dinner with friends and it was a birthday and you used your personal credit card but you tried to write it off as a business expense well technically the irs really won't accept that um do they really have time to look at every small business in the world yes or no um but you just put yourself in harm's way and kind of you're at risk of being audited and kind of losing out on that piece. And so it just makes bookkeeping a whole lot easier if you say, OK, hey, these are my personal expenses and these are my business expenses. And then looking from my standpoint, when I get, you know, step away from just like, OK, tax filing piece, but just planning, um, it allows you to really separate the two. And I, and I know being a business owner myself, one thing that's extremely hard is having a clear-cut understanding of what is actually a business expense and what's your living expenses. Uh, And very very different and, and very easily those two lines get blurred because for in the first couple of months, couple of years, depending on who you are, you're probably not bringing in that much cash flow, that much revenue as you're just starting off your business, right? And so everything that you're bringing in here is going right to the other hand and you're using it for rent, you're using it for food, you're using it for this, um, but as it continues to build and grow, um, it's extremely imperative that you separate the two. Um, it'll also just make life a whole lot easier from a standpoint of just planning for other goals, like whether that be buying a home one day, whether that be renting, uh, buying a car one day, whether that just be building a family, whether it be figuring out, okay, hey, do I have funds to start thinking about retirement, start thinking about other just savings goals that we want to take care- take advantage of. Um, so. Long drawn out answer to simply say, I believe that anybody that's receiving any type of income, um, as small as it may be, you would benefit from just having some type of LLC that you can flow everything through just to make everything a little bit simpler and easier. Um, It doesn't really change too much when it comes from like how you're taxed, because an LLC is a flow through entity. Um, what that means is when you do file, whether it's through your LLC or just your personal um, you know, personal W-2 income, it's all flowing through your personal Social Security number. Um, we can get into S-Corps and C-Corps and all that, which I don't think is necessary for today's call. I think that's a, a little it's, – it's not necessary for a majority of people, but just having a basic LLC um, will definitely allow you to kind of like not blur that line and also protect you from legal suits in case something were happening for businesses to your business.
0: Okay, so many beautiful words that came out of your mouth because you said so many nuggets that we're going to touch on. But you know the song Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke? Yeah, I've heard it. I've heard it. That's like literally the song that explains my life the first year. I was in business. I'm in the second year now of having LLC. That was all explained my life because I was like, "What? what is business, what is not? And it becomes difficult because if you go out to even dinner with, like, let's say you're powerlifting friends, but all of a sudden you want to talk about deadlifts for 25 minutes, you want me to look at your deadlift video, like, is it a a business dinner now, is it not? Like, so that gets confusing. So can you give any clarity on, like, how to have more clarity on what is a business write-off? and what's not but specifically like in the mind of like someone who like literally is a powerlifting coach and does online coaching. Yeah, like online
1: coaching, all of that. I mean, really in the simplest form, anything that you can directly tie back to your business can be a business expense. (laughs) Um, so again, Hey, I went out to dinner with a couple of powerlifting buddies and I ended up pitching my programming services, whatever the case may be. That's a business expense, um, which to make it very clear and distinct, because the IRS is going to know what, you're ta- what you talked about in that in, in that thirty minute, hour long, two hour long dinner. Um, to make it very clear and easy, that's why you have the LLC. That's why you have a separate bank account for your LLC and for your business, so that you pay for it with your business card. So it's very clear. It's very trackable. You can send all the statements to your accountant who's filing your taxes, and it shows up on your actual um, statements um, for the year. And, and from there, you know, just make a quick note. Um, whether it be taking a picture of the receipt and making a quick note on your phone, okay, hey, talked about blah, 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 just to kind of, just so you have, like, a record to just kind of uh, see, you know, cover cover your rear end type of deal. Um, so, I, I mean, really, the creative part about it, and this is where I, I like being very creative as to how we can find ways to create tax deductions, the most creative way is, hey, if you can flow it back to your business in any way, shape, or form, then you can 100% write it off. Um, as long as you you're you're doing so legitimately, if you you know flying out to a powerlifting competition, that's a business expense, hotels, uh, business expense, rental cars, business expense, marketing for your business, business expense, whether that be um, whether that be cards, whether that be Instagram ads, whether that be like little things that we do here and there, um, all of those are business expenses. Um even depending on how creative you get with certain sponsorships, et cetera. Let's say you have a sponsorship for clothing, well, technically speaking, if you're a model for the clothes and you have to order product in order to model for it those certain pieces of articles of clothing you can essentially call you know a, a business expense in the form of attire or um uh, or you know costuming or whatever it is that you want to kind of label it so it, a business expense is extremely broad. people can get very, very creative and sometimes too creative um, with what they call a business expense um, on the lower levels it's it's not too big of a deal but as you start you know making making more and more money um, you know we also want to be very cognizant of the repercussions of it because if we start writing off too much and you're showing that you only make ten thousand dollars a year but really you're bringing home cash and you're making five thousand dollars six thousand eight thousand dollars a month well when you try to go to your mortgage broker and get a loan the bank's only going to see that you're making $10,000 a year. So we want to be very creative as to how we do that. And, you know, I'm sure we could talk about retirement accounts and other ways that we can deduct expenses without kind of harming other areas of life that we might want to accomplish as well.
0: Oh my gosh. So already, this is the podcast I needed two years ago. So (laughs) (laughs) my next question then is, so obviously you just made it very clear, right? If you get an LLC, have a business actual uh, account, way cleaner and that's what I do as well. Now, I'm definitely in the back of my mind always have a fear of being audited because I do write off a lot of stuff, but it's because I'm a second-year business owner. So, mm-hmm. I don't essentially make a ton because I do put a lot of money into advertising and stuff like that. So, how do you kind of make sure you don't get audited? Is there like a certain amount of money I should try to show I make as a very new business owner? Like, is it I bad mean, if I end up in a negative year one? Is that like, oh, no, you're negative, but you still fed yourself, so you have to eat food?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, both, most businesses in the beginning start off in the ne- in the red anyway, um, just globally speaking. If you look at virtually any business, especially brick-and-mortar businesses, if you have to build a building and it's a $500,000 building, unless you're doing half a million dollars in revenue, net employees, net everything else, you're probably not making anything. Um So there's no real set amount that you have to show that kind of protects you from being audited. I will say having a tax preparer or a CPA or somebody running your taxes for you protects you from being audited because they have their own lawyers. They have their own processes. Typically, if we're looking at people that get audited, more so people that do the taxes on their own, um, and you can see when you do it on your own – there's more room for error. So, you know, your chances kind of increase. but if you're doing it with the CPA, they, they know the right channels. They know all the right things to file and to do that. If you do get audited, you're kind of taken care of because also their licenses are on the line. Right. Um, And so I, I say the easiest thing um, or easiest way to prevent yourself from being audited is just spend the 200, 300, $400. Maybe it might take the, the run of the mill. I just average, um, uh, Powerlifting coach as they're starting off to just have an accountant just file it for you. Um, I see people pay 100 bucks a month, 200, 300, 400 dollars 600 bucks a month for online powerlifting coaching. I've I've heard it all. You can spend 300 dollars a year um, uh, just to make sure that you can cover your rear end. And it's a tax deductible expense anyway, um, so yes, you can it write it off. <laughs> um, so you're really not even paying 300. So uh, I, I would say out of everything, that's really the easiest way to kind of shield yourself from being audited. Or if you are audited, making sure that you don't have to rip your hair out doing it, you can have somebody else do it. Um, just just have a professional do it. I, I believe in that um, wholeheartedly.
0: Nice, and I, I fully agree with you because you know I came to you to help find my CPA, so. Mm-hmm. You know, that saved my life. I was like, what am I doing? Oh, my God. (laughs) So, okay. You also mention, I don't want to talk retirement accounts yet, but when it comes to, like, investing at all, right? Let's say you're talking to, actually, I'm a good example, right? 26 years old, like, have my own business. I personally am out of debt. I believe like people should work hard to be out of debt for like most the most part. Mortgages are different, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But like credit card debt and like you know, car debt, I'm like, uh eh. try to get rid of that, right? So okay. once you're let's say you're in like my position, right? Mostly out of debt. What would you recommend I invest in? Like should I have a Roth IRA and then I think there's like two kinds of Roths. There's like a financial Roth and some other sort of isn't there two what kind of Roth IRAs? No, am I wrong? I thought it was two. No, there's one? Nah. See, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm <laughs> doing, Delaney. So what should I invest in if I'm a super simple person? Like, don't talk to me about freaking crypto, okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, what should I invest uh, in That's basic?
1: Yeah, so um, I'm going to try to answer this question without actually answering the question, because legally I can't. Um, oh, just
0: really? Sorry. Pra-
1: yeah, um, just, just legally for because everybody's different. So there, there is a lot of customality to building out the investment strategy to it all. Um, but so instead of giving the exact thing that somebody should invest in, because everybody's situation is different, their goals are different. Uh, I would say you want to start where, start with the end in mind, right? That, that kind of famous saying right there, starting with the end in mind, if you don't know where you want to go, you can't really direct yourself to get there. Um, so for some people, their main goal is to try to buy a home. Right? So their strategy is going to be a whole lot different than somebody that might already have a home and they're just trying to make sure their kids go to college or they're trying to retire, they're trying to do this, or maybe they're just trying to build their business even more. Um, and, and so first and foremost, I would say whatever it is that you're making net of taxes, net of fees, net of all your expenses and all of that, really gross, but for most people in the beginning net, you want to just take 15 to 20% of that and just put it right into savings, savings right? and build up some type of cash reserve for yourself and for your business that if everything was to go under and the lights would be shut off tomorrow, that you would be able to sustain life and survive for at least three to six months. Right? I, I think that that is one of the most key and pivotal things, even above uh, knocking down debt, um, because there's been plenty and plenty of times where people spend a huge amount of their excess cash flow trying to get themselves out of debt um, just for something to go wrong, the, Last year, that they were only, almost supposed to be out, the boiler breaks, the car breaks down. This happens, that happens, um, and because they didn't have that cash reserve there to sustain a rainy day or an emergency, um, all that did was put them in a position where they had to take out a credit card, they had to do a reverse mortgage on their home, they had to do some some type of thing that just accumulated more debt, and that's how we mm-hmm. get in that cycle of uh, you know multiple streams of debt, more complex debt, and just kind of shrinking our monthly cash flow to the point that we're not in a position to save, um, and so first and foremost, as hard as it is, especially if you're first starting off a business, because in the beginning, it's everything that you got, like, you're like, I, I need to use this to live or just to, like, allow my business to c- continue to run. You want to save as much as humanly possible of it. Um, so as opportunity comes up, you can take advantage of it, different just investment opportunities within your business. Um, and then from there, it, it, it's looking at your goals and then saying, how do I kind of move the needle in that direction? Um as for specific investments, if you kind of want a more detailed kind of version of what you should be invested in, I'm happy to have like a conversation in general with anybody that's kind of listening, because um, it really does depend on what it is that you're trying to accomplish. Because a Roth IRA could be the greatest tool in the world, and it could be the most wor- it could be the worst tool in the world, depending on what you, where you want to go. Um, your 401k could be the best investment choice in the world, or it could be one of the most detrimental things to your plan, depending on what you're trying to accomplish. Cryptocurrency is extremely great for those that have the risk tolerance for it, but it could also blow up in your face if you if it's not in alignment with everything else that you're doing. And so I believe that your investments, your business planning, your insurance, your, your this, your that, all of these different things, they all come together. And that's why I, I like planning more so than just the uh, the accounting side of things or just like the, okay, hey, file the tax piece um, because I, 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 I like to marry all of those pieces together and see, okay, how does this affect the other? How does this play against the other? Um, so that's kind of the roundabout way of saying it depends because um, it really does. Uh, but I would say, hey, start with you know a very clear list of things that you want to accomplish in the in the next year, next five years, next 10 years. Um, and from there, it will be a very clear way to see, okay, where should I be investing in? What type of accounts? Uh, how risky should I be? If I'm trying to buy a house next year, we're not putting it in crypto. <laughs> like like that's, <laughs> that's that's not that's just not good business practice, right? Because um, it's just extremely volatile. You could wake up tomorrow and 30% of your account's gone. Um, but if we're not going to touch it for 30, 40 years, then, hey, do each shoot to the moon for those that actually believe in it. I'm not saying go do that. Um, I was being facetious. Um, but... Yeah, you, you can take on more risk with the, the, the longer time horizon that you have with your investments, the shorter the time horizon. You want to be a little bit more conservative because you want to make sure it's there with, when you actually want to utilize it. Um, and as we get deeper into the conversation, I'm sure talk about like retirement accounts and all that. And I'll kind of dive a little bit deeper into like the history of taxes and, you know, retirement accounts and what we should think about from like a tax standpoint on that end um, and give some details there.
0: Okay, I can't wait for that. We're gonna hit that in a second. You made a face at me when I said <laughs> I think most people should strive to be mostly debt free. You were like, mm-hmm, okay. All right, give me your opinion. <laughs> All right. So obviously again, this is like a broad question. I don't want to ask you anything I can't ask you, but I'm probably willing anyways. Yeah. An accident. But anywho, like yeah, for the average person. <laughs> right? For the yeah. average person, so not a millionaire and not someone who's homeless on the street, right? You're the average person, you are you know entrepreneur, whatever. Do you believe you should try to be debt free? And I'm not including a mortgage. You can't. No, most people can't just pay the house off the first day, right? What do you yeah, think about that? No.
1: So I absolutely agree that the the end goal should be to be as debt free as humanly possible. It just increases your net worth. It, there's it, you know, there's more options that are available to you. That it's just a good thing overall. Um, why I hesitate to kind of pound that into people's heads is a lot of times. Depending on where we hear it from and depending on the context of the conversation, it can be misconstrued into something that it's not. Um, and so there have been plenty of times where I've seen clients or I've seen somebody and we're looking at a plan and every last dollar of their excess cash flow. like Nothing is going to savings. Everything is okay. I have an extra $1,000 a month that I'm making that I can just either save or I can spend in a, uh, at a night on Vegas or I can put towards my student loans, for example. I'm just going to put 1000 bucks to my student loans. I'm going to pay my student loans off five 10 15 years early um the reason why i hesitate and it kind of gives me indigestion when i hear that (laughs) is because what what that does is it 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 trades one evil for another Mm. um and and so again using that example first year everything goes great i'm putting a thousand bucks a month down extra i put not 12 grand off my loans i'm going to be done in like three more years right um and then on year two COVID happens Um, and people aren't able to train and therefore you don't have clients that are actually training and paying you. So Mm. income dries up. Um, you lose your job. Like, uh, you, you get hurt, right? You, you pull something, whatever the case may be. Something happens. The boiler breaks in the house, the car breaks down, your kids, you know, have a broken bone, anything like life happens to all of us. I've, I've heard it all. Um, and that same person that spent all that money on their student loans to try to knock those down, if they have nothing saved up to sustain life for three to six months if something were to happen, to make sure that they have a couple grand saved up to fix the boiler or the car or whatever the case may be. Because I don't know about you, but every time I step out the house, it costs me a hundred dollars. Like, like, it's like it's like it's like I I take a walk to McDonald's just to get some fries, and it's like a hundred dollars just to like for whatever. I walk come back, and I'm like, okay, the world is expensive, right? Even the smallest bits of. Things and, you know, um, and so in the attempt to knock down debt as much as humanly possible, as quickly as humanly possible, in a chaotic way, I would say, it puts us in a position that, hey, if we get in those situations, I've never heard somebody be able to go back to Sally Mae and say, hey, I overpaid my student loans for the last year. Like, do you mind sliding me a couple of dollars back because I'm in a pinch? Like, they just say, hey, like, it's our, it's ours now. Um, And so I'm a big believer in building up our side of the balance sheet first, making sure that you have that emergency fund first, and even overfunding it, right? depending on the interest on the loan, depending on the debt that you have, if it's a low enough interest rate you can actually go and invest it in the stock market if the interest rate is 2% 3% and you're making 3 4 5 6% in the market you can invest that money for that 3 4 5 6 years use the mortgage for example let's say you have a mortgage and the interest rate is 2.25% like it was a couple of years ago or last year um, when more interest rates were at its lowest um, it, but you're investing it and you're yielding 3 4 5% rate of return where well you just made that 2.5, 2.75% spread on your money. So, in five years or 15 years, if you wanted to pay your mortgage off in 15 years, if you took that same $1,000 and put it into an asset that's appreciating in value, you can then take that lump sum, pay off the mortgage on the 15th year, so you still paid it off, but the entire time you had money saved up in case an emergency happened. And depending on the rate of return and all of that, nothing's guaranteed, et cetera. But, but depending on the growth that you had on your money, you also have something left over on, on the back end that you can use towards other business ventures. You can use towards whatever it is that you want. Um, and so I, I, I kind of cringe a little bit, not because I'm like, oh, people should just rack up as much credit card debt as humanly possible and, and rack up. We want to find good business practices to make sure that we're as debt-free as humanly possible, but not to put ourselves in harm's way. Um, I equate everything to sports in in some capacity. So, like, I played football. There's not been a single time that I've been able to just run right down the middle of the field and score a touchdown. I always have to move. I have to juke. I have to jump. I have to spin. I have to push somebody off me. You have to be agile to the things around you. Um, And finances are the same exact thing. If you're not able to take a situation as it comes at you and make a decision that's favorable to yourself, then you're in a bad financial position. Um, And so that's why I – you know, I, I take a step back when I say, okay, be debt-free, be debt-free. Um, we want to try to strive to be debt-free, but we want to do so in a very cognizant and strategic way that allows us to move towards our goals without putting ourselves in harm's way if something unexpected happens.
0: Okay, I can vibe with that answer. That's a very fair answer. We already had a conversation once. I'm not going to mention said person's name who has a massive, you know, thing going on where he teaches. <laughs> Being that free. <laughs> but I will say that's a very fair answer, and I can get behind it for the most part. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, so when it comes to paying taxes, mm-hmm. um what like average percentage of net income is the government trying to take?
1: Um, so, so they look at the gross, so I, I I guess you're talking about just like profits from the business. Um, yes, at the end of the day, like after expenses. It, it really depends. It really tiers um, based on the amount of income you're making. If you use the standard deductions, the first standard deductions is like $12,950 right now so that first chunk get wiped off, then it goes from 10% to 12 to 15 to 17 to 22 to 24 to something like that um, around that range. Um, my rule of thumb for a majority of people, if you just want to be safe and just make it really easy, a majority of people will fall into this category. If you just take a third of whatever it is that you make and you set it aside for taxes, um, for the most part, give or take, unless you are really doing a booming practice, your, you know, your Joey flexes of the world, your um, uh, strength guys of the world that are probably doing huge numbers. I don't know what their books are. I'm just using big powerlifting coaches that I know. Um, you know, they probably have to set aside a little bit more. Um, but for a majority of people, if you just take a third of whatever comes in, um, and then use that to take care of expenses, take care of your lifestyle, take care of everything else, save, um, you should be in a pretty good spot, blatantly um any more kind of deeper detail it really depends on the business it depends on your revenue it depends on your expenses um it depends on a bunch of different things that uh we would have to kind of pop under the hood and see
0: okay very fair that's pretty much i was always told like 30 33 percent ish for me like that's what my accountant tells me so i'm like that makes sense like about a third so yeah Give very take. fair right.
1: make a little Even- bit more make a little bit less you know you bump it up um most of the people i see you'll, you'll be good around that yeah at that 30 percent that 33 th- a third 35 range um effectively all in nice
0: so before we dive into retirement accounts i do want to ask you what is for an online coach the let's say top three things that people can write off but wouldn't think to write off
1: mm. I mean, but wouldn't think to write off. I mean, exactly. I don't Exactly, because,
0: like, there's that, so many the... things that I was like, I can write this off. So, I'm like, is there, like, three things that, like, you like, every time you talk to somebody, you didn't know you could write off, like, your gas when you drove to your friend's meet and you handled them? Like, stuff like that. Well, yeah, I mean, I,
1: I guess it depends on the person, because um, some people don't know you can write off anything, and then some people are like, I'm going to write off my puppy's dog food, right? And you're like, I can't do that. <laughs> um Right, so it, it really just depends on the person. uh Again, like I said, like just anything that you can tie directly back to your business. That microphone that you have right now, you can write, you know, the cost of that off. Absolutely, because a part of marketing. Um, the software system that you use in order to use this, you know, to create this podcast, you can write it off. Um, any type of uh, communications, like if you have like a special Gmail account that you know has like the backslash, blah blah blah, powerlifting um, at dot com. You know, all all of those things that you can you can write off. Um, depending on who you are, um, as long as like it's in writing within your, and you have like a legal an actual legal place of residence. Some people kind of fly under the radar and they're paying people cash and it's not really traceable, um, but you can write off uh, certain areas of your home that you use um, regularly for work, so that area that you're sitting in right now you can you know, take the square footage divide it up between how big your actual apartment is and then take your rent and you know, use that as a, a write off or, or some type of expense there um, really de- the creativity of what you can do is really endless it really just depends on how you build your practice or build your um, build your business um for those that travel a lot everything that you do on those powerlifting trips for the love of god just take out the business card and use it because um, it, it's it's a business trip it's an expense my trip to south africa it was a business expense <laughs> uh it, it was a business trip um so all all of those different things that you um that you i, I mean i think it's kind of common but some people wouldn't think about um you know i would say write those off and i guess if you have more specific questions i can kind of just say, give the thumbs up and thumbs down on them uh, outside of what I just said.
0: No, that makes sense. Like, honestly, you mentioned a big one, like the square footage of my house. I was like, what? I can write off the square footage that I'm using for this little office? I was like, oh, that's nice. Also, I would say two things for me where I have a business phone. But also, I use, well, duh, right? I neither. But, like, I also, my other phone, I use it a lot for business, anyways, not even intentionally. My accountant was like, you can write off majority of that phone, too. Like, it's fine. I was like, oh. Okay. Because yeah. he's like, no, yeah. I see, like, you're clearly using it. And then, third thing I will say is, like, most of my Wi Fi. He's like, you're literally at home all day on your laptop working. Just write off majority of the Wi Fi. I'm like, yeah, I barely even watch TV. I'm literally just on my laptop working. Okay. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, right? So those are things that I wouldn't think to say, okay, they people wouldn't think of, but, I mean, you you never know what falls through the cracks, and as you kind of go line item and line item through your expenses, you'll be able to kind of see pretty clearly what's a tax writable off expense and what's not, right? Your cat food's not a tax write-off unless you're <laughs> in, like, the cat food business or something and you find a creative way to do it. You know, you, you like, let's do it within reason, um, but... <laughs> Yeah, there's, uh, you can get pretty creative depending on your, your industry and your business.
0: Nice. Okay. All right. Let's talk retirement accounts because I don't know much about this at all, but I know <laughs> that I need to figure out my life because awesome. I'm like, let me set myself up early. I'm 26. So this my question is going to be very broad to you. You're going to have to kind of like lead me here because I'm like, step one, what retirement account should I even be looking at to invest in? I don't freaking know. I just told you there's two Roth IRAs. There's not. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that that question is so broad; it's almost hard to answer. I so the way I look at money in general, um, and this is like more so from like a planning like background or a planning mindset, is uh, what can I do on a consistent basis to help just enhance the likelihood of success. Um, and so obviously, can't really dive too deep into the exact investments and all the other stuff from like a, hey, we go to Apple or we go to Tesla, Amazon, Google cryptocurrency. Um, but let's just think about things from like a tax standpoint real briefly, right? Um, and kind of just level with me for a second. So in, in what, do, what do you think about taxes? Do you like them? Do you hate them? Do you wish you could pay some more? Do you wish you could pay less? Like, What, what are your thoughts on taxes?
0: So at the moment, I don't hate them because I don't pay a lot because I can write off a lot, but I'm still early in my business. I think I'll start to hate them when I make more money in a couple years. Mm -hmm. So right now I'm very neutral. It's like, oh, this isn't a crazy amount. I can still feed myself. I'm fine.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So – ninety uh, percent of at 99.9% of the people I talk to fall into one of two categories that you could say, I hate them. The government's sucking me dry. They're not even doing anything with money. I hate it. And the other people, people are like, ah, I'm neutral. Like, If I could pay less, I would pay less. But it is what it is. I'm not dying. I'll be fine. Uh, I've only had maybe one person that says I want to pay more in taxes, and they laughed. And then afterwards, they're like, no, I'm just joking. Like, absolutely not. <laughs> they were being facetious, right? Um, And so the reason why I bring that up is if we look at the history – of our tax environment, federally at least, Um, over the past like 10, 20, 30 years, um, we're in probably one of the lowest tax environments we've been in the history of our country, like second to a few years before World War II, I think it is, and when taxes first started, right? Um, No, I'm sorry, the Great Depression, like a few years before the Great Depression um, and when taxes first started. I think around the time of like World War II, If we use that as like just like a a blanket example, um, taxes were upwards of like 92%, right? Like the federal income tax bracket got all the way up into the like the 90s. Um, And so the reason why I bring that up is that if we look look at what COVID has done to the world over the past couple of years, right? Uh, The PPP loans that have gone out to businesses that are now being forgiven so aren't being paid back. Um, the stimulus checks that have gone out, um, the student loans that are still in furlough that aren't being paid, and then we just got the new forgiveness program. So some of them are going to be wiped out completely. Social Security has been talked about being underfunded for years and years and years and years and years. Um, so you know we have that conversation going on. The interest on the national debt. There's there's all these different programs that the government is paying for, and it's funded through taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and us being in one of the lowest tax environments we've been in the history of the country for the past several several years or a couple of decades, most experts, accountants, financial advisors, planners, whatever the case may be, um, most of them, most of us can pretty much agree that taxes are probably going to increase in the future, right? And so, for me, when I look at it from like a retirement standpoint, especially for us that are in in the youngest younger stages of our careers and our lives. That leaves a lot of runway and it leaves a lot of room, but it also leaves a lot of question marks as to how much how, how much in taxes we're going to pay in retirement, what the tax bill is going to look like, what can we do to kind of plan around that. And so even when I'm not being recorded and I have to be very much cognizant of what I say um, with regards to investment strategy, a lot of my conversations with my clients do revolve around taxes and tax planning because I believe that it's easier to save X percentage in taxes than it is to get X percent rate of return in the stock market, additional to what we're already getting, right? We look tomorrow, nobody can tell you what what the stock market is going to do to exact heat tomorrow, but we know exactly what the tax code and tax bill and the tax laws are tomorrow, the day after that, the day after that. And if they ever decide to change it, they give us advance notice, right? Mm-hmm. The stock market does not give you advance notice when it's going to crash. The Great mm-hmm. Depression happened and people started jumping off of bridges. Um, and And so when we look at everything from a tax standpoint, planning for retirement, Every investment that you make, every single one, whether it's an investment uh, retire, for retirement or not, every single investment that you make falls into one of three tax buckets, right? You have your tax deferred, you have your taxable, and you have your tax advantage, or I like to call it tax-free bucket, you know, whatever you want to – however you really want to describe it. Um, your taxable bucket, that's dollars that go in after tax, so after you've paid taxes, after you've gotten your W-2 check, after everything is said and done, net net of everything. it. Put into your account, it grows as it grows, whether it be interest or investments or whatever the case may be. um, You get a nice love letter from the IRS called a 1099 um, that says, Hey, you made money. We see that you made money. We want some of it. It's usually less than our area income tax, so it's not as bad, but it's still annoying. People say, hey, okay, well, if I'm getting taxed on this money every single year as it grows, why do I want money in this bucket? It, it just seems counterintuitive. Well, the reason for that is because it's the most liquid of all the buckets, right? You can get to it extremely quickly. This is cash in the bank. This is cash in your savings account. This is cash in your brokerage account or your investment account with Fidelity, Merrill Lunch, whatever the case may be. Um, uh, real estate also falls under this category even though it's not extremely liquid but it's – it's depending on the situation, is taxed very similarly. Um, and so it's an it's emergency fund. It's what you use for immediate spending, um, immediate investment opportunities. You can get to it quickly. right? Then we move to the tax-deferred account. This is probably the second most common bucket out of all three of them uh, because it's given to almost every employee um, uh, that has a W-2 job just globally. Um, and so the tax-deferred bucket is money that goes in pre-tax so you get the deferral today. Keyword is deferral, not deduction, right? So you can deduct expenses in which case you never have to pay the taxes on those monies. It's just completely removed from your taxable income. But deferral just means that we're pushing it down the line to a later date. And it's very key, it's very important to the conversation. And so in the tax deferred bucket, right, it goes in pre-tax, right? It grows tax deferred which means that as the money grows, you don't have to pay taxes on that money at all. Uh, but when it comes out, it comes back comes out to us as taxable income, which will be taxed at whatever tax rate the government decides to tax you out in the year in which you pull that money out. And so if you go back to the whole history lesson talking about uh, taxes early on in the future, talking about World War II, those World War II times where it's like 92 percent-ish, somewhere around there, um, it leaves a big question mark as to how much money in those accounts are actually going to – it's actually going to be our money to actually spend in the future. Right, and so we want to be very cognizant and very, very, very deliberate as to how we insert that money and also how we move it out of the account. Right, uh, money that falls under this account, or you know, your 401ks, your 403bs, your IRAs, simple SEPs, all of those different accounts that you know people may or may not have heard of, um, that allows you to, to deduct your taxes today. Well, it sounds great because oh yeah, I get to pay less taxes today. But you're going to pay the ta- those taxes in the future. You're going to pay the piper at some point in time, so you just want to be cognizant of that, right? and when people just throw money in these buckets haphazardly, they get to 60, 65, 70, and all of a sudden, they're like, wow, I'm paying more taxes in retirement than I did when I was working. How? Um, well, also because when you're working, you have all these deductions. You have the interest on your home. You have all these business expenses. You have this. You have that. When you're retired, you have the standard deduction. That's about it. If you're retired, you're not working, which means those business expenses are no go. They're, – they're, they're gone, um, which means that as your um, your expenses drop from a standpoint of tax-deductible expenses, your living expenses, for the most part, stay the same except for maybe just rent or mortgage. Um, but your income is probably going to be close enough to the degree that the expenses that you were writing off don't offset anymore, and you some people really literally do pay more taxes in retirement than they do when they were actually working um, because they didn't – think about these things prior. Mm-hmm. Um, so the third bucket to this puzzle is what we call the tax advantage bucket or the tax-free bucket. Um, it's kind of a combination of the first two that I described. right? It's like the taxable bucket in the sense that it goes in after tax, so you paid the taxes on it today. It goes into the tax advantage bucket, um, and it grows tax-deferred. right? So you're not paying taxes as it grows, but when you decide to distribute it, unlike the tax-deferred bucket, when it's time for you to pay taxes on the back end, because you paid the taxes on the front end, as that money comes out to you, as long as you didn't mess anything up and do anything illegal, um, it comes to you completely tax-free, right? So it's the whole conversation of would you rather pay taxes on the seed or the tree, right? Um, and so typically what ends up happening, 90% of the people that I talk to the first time that I bring up this concept of the three buckets, they pick one or two because they say, oh, the Roth IRA, I heard about it. It's great. They heard somebody say, oh, the Roth sucks. We have put everything into a simple or a SEP or an IRA. I heard this. I heard that. And they just we're, – we're in a very kind of – most people are in a mind state of it's all or nothing. right? We either throw all our eggs in one place or nothing at all. Um, and – What I try to preach to people is that to be well-diversified past just like the stocks, the bonds, the ETFs, the cryptocurrencies, Tesla, Google, Apple, whatever the case may be, being well-diversified from a tax standpoint is sometimes even more beneficial than the little diversifications that we have within the allocation of our investments. Um, And so really, in a perfect world, if we can get somebody to the point that they're saving into their taxable account, their regular cash savings… They're saving in their tax-advantaged account, and they're able to amass enough wealth within those two buckets to cover a majority of the income that they need in order to retire on. If we can keep their distributions, the money that they take out of their 401k, for an example, or IRA, their tax-deferred accounts, underneath the standard deduction, which currently is sitting at $12,950 a year… We essentially are able to pull that money from their tax-deferred account completely tax-free because the standard deduction wipes everything out, and the rest of their income is also tax-free because it's coming from cash from the tax-advantaged account. And so from this side, we literally pay no taxes going in, no taxes as it grows, and no taxes coming out. And within all of that, now we've created a situation where we have the same bucket of money, but it's ten times stronger it's stronger not necessarily 10 times but it's 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 exponentially stronger because the net that comes back to us is, has also grown and so that's one thing that I find a lot of people overlook when we talk about investing because it's really cute and it's really sexy to talk about oh I've just got some new cryptocurrency and it's shooting to the moon and oh yeah I'm with Tesla yeah Elon Musk till I die like it, it's 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 sexy it's cute it allows us to have some type of sense of like worth and allows to brag to say that we're investing in certain companies not many people say oh yeah well I'm well diversified from a tech standpoint and I've calculated the standard deduction versus this that and it, it's it's too complicated it's too much nobody cares and a lot of people don't understand it Um, but what I found is it's probably one of the most impactful ways and one of the most lowest hanging fruits that people overlook Um, and so I told this whole long drawn out story about the history of taxes and all of this and I can kind of go a little bit further and talk about uh, Ronald Reagan and and all this other stuff that I don't even know if you guys really want to hear about it Um, but I say all of this to say that a Roth IRA is a great tool if used effectively it's a very poor tool if it's, if it's also used ineffectively. A 401k, an IRA, a SEP, a simple a solo 401k plus profit share that allows you to dump like 60 grand plus into it to deduct from your taxes. It's a great tool when used effectively. It's a poor tool if, you, if it's not. Uh, your taxable accounts as well. Um, and so to be well diversified between all three and what that diversification means does change for each person. Because everybody's income is different, the money that we're going to need to pull out is different, how we pay taxes are different, do we have W-2 income coming in or do we have to factor in Social Security income because that also plays a role in the entire picture. Um, That is extremely important to understand, Um, but having a well-balanced approach of having money in all three, your tax advantage, whether that be a Roth IRA, Roth 403B, certain municipal bonds if it's in the municipality in which you live in, uh, certain deferred annuities, cash value life insurance, HSA accounts. Um, 529 plans, all of that falls under that bucket. You have your tax deferred bucket, 401k, 403b, IRA, simple SEPs, etc., and then you have the taxable bucket, cash, equitable securities. Um, when well-diversified between all three or well-balanced between all three, it puts us in a very good position that no matter what happens to tax rates in the future, we always have a way to maximize what we're doing. We're not kind of stuck in one area and we're just playing damage control opposed to really being able to play the full game and maximize return. Um, And so from a retirement standpoint, that's probably the thing that I look at the most is how can we be well diversified from a tax standpoint because we can go on Google right now and tell you exactly what the tax law is going to be today, uh, tomorrow, the day after that, and the day after that uh if you google what has what, what the stock market is going to do tomorrow you're going to get 30,000 different <laughs> different theories from CNBC, FB, whatever the case may be, the crypto guy that's, you know, blasting you guys on YouTube with ads. Um you're going to get all these different um recommendations and thoughts and nobody's going to know the actual answer cuz nobody knows what the market's going to do, but we all know what taxes are going to do. Um at least um, until legislation is changed, um, in which case we still know what taxes are going to do because we know the legislation. Um, and so, yeah, when thinking about retirement, um, I think that this isn't something that is just is just like a powerlifting coach problem. It's a business owner problem in general. It's a W-2 employee problem in general. It's just an American problem in general. Uh, we look for the easy way out. Oh, I heard about a Roth. Okay, I'm just gonna do it because somebody said to do it. Oh, my company offers a 401k, so I talk to the person next to me and they just put eight percent in there because that's what we get matched. So I'm going to do that too. Um, and we just like to set it and forget it and just hope for the best. Kind of like uh, what's the uh that that animated video like? I think it's uh, Looney Tunes or something like that. When you have Wile E. Coyote and the and that other character and then he pushes him on the tracks of Uh-oh. his train track. Um, And instead of getting out of the way of the train, he just pulls the windows down. So if I don't see it, it's not happening. And then he gets smashed by the train and it's a cartoon. So nothing actually happened. Nobody was hurt. But so many times in real life, we literally are seeing a train coming down. We know that there should be a change that happens. We know that we're not doing everything we're supposed to be doing. But instead of addressing it, we just kind of close our eyes and say, "Okay, hey, yeah, I'm not really looking. Yeah, it's not really there. So it won't happen. And then we become surprised when, you know, it's time for us to pay our dues and pay the piper. And so, uh, not to go on off the, on this tangent about um, diversification in taxes or investing for retirement, but uh, that's kind of my general viewpoint on it um, uh, and how we can be very strategic on it. So, to answer your question, is a Roth a, a great tool to invest in? Absolutely, for a lot of people, and for some people, it's terrible. Some people don't qualify if you make it too much, too, right? So there's other areas to it, too. Um, it's a 401k, a great tool. Yeah, absolutely. It can also be a poor tool as well, um, and as well as everything else. So everything in moderation, everything with a well-diversified plan in mind and with the end goal in mind, um, that's that's what we look at
0: usually. Oh, my God. Y'all, I hope y'all took notes. If not, it's okay. <laughs> you can go back, replay it. You can make it slow-mo. You can go half speed. Did you see me taking notes?
1: I was like, A little bit,
0: scribble. a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, but for real, though. So basically, though, an easy way to say everything you just said, or it's an easy takeaway, would be don't put all your eggs in just one basket. And also, clearly, we're being fed a lot of information about certain things, but we're not, like, looking at multiple different options that we have. And that seems to be, like, the biggest thing that people kind of fail on. And then you're like, oh, I know about the Roth, but I don't know about this or anything else. So I'm going to just go with the Roth and hope to God that's enough. And that's not the way to go. So basically, get a financial planner because we all know what we're doing out here. And... <laughs> <laughs> but no, I will say, though, like, yeah. this really hit me hard. Like, we're going to talk after this call separately privately. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, yo, not even lying, all I really know about are IRAs and 401Ks. And then there's a bunch of information about stocks that keep confusing me. And so, and the word crypto just be, is a giant question mark in my mind. So I'm like, I guess I'll just stick with the, the Roth. Um, (laughs) So I'm like, it's just cool to hear. Like there's a lot of different things to look at. Also, I was aware that there was like tax deferral bucket and then tax advantage bucket. But like, that's all I knew. I was like, I didn't know which one I should go with. I was just like, this is cool information. I guess, I don't know, like. Mm -hmm. So thank you. That was that was very eye opening. And what's was sad is that I think for you that was like a very shallow, basic explanation, and you blew my mind. You're like you don't. That's like 0.5 percent of like <laughs> the information. It's, you need it's to the know. It,
1: it's the foundation. It's the foundation. Um, it can get way more complex and way more convoluted when you actually put a plan together, right? Um, I can get super super technical and. Start talking about sharp ratios on stocks, which nobody actually really cares about, or how we can leverage banks to actually help build up your retirement for you, and you don't actually invest yourself; you pay the interest on it. Like we can talk about a whole bunch of other stuff and how you can hide money and flip it all, or flip it all the way this way, that way. But uh, all the core foundations, all the the more complex stuff that you hear people talk about is all rooted in the foundation of, okay, taxes, tax planning, retirement planning. How do we maximize the net net result that comes back to us? Um, Cause nobody cares about gross income. We all care about, what we're actually able to spend, right? If you make a mm-hmm. hundred thousand dollars a year, but through taxes and expenses, you can only spend a, a grand a month. You live in a pretty small lifestyle. It doesn't really help you too much, but if you're making $50,000 a year, but you're through your expenses, your net in home 40, well, you know, that's a little bit more to play with, right? Um, And so, uh, although it's kind of the basis, the basis is probably the most important piece and if you understand this part, everything else that's built on top of it as things get more complex, really just kind of, it's it's just like an addition is an add-on. It's not too much more complicated than that.
0: Okay. Do you believe, I think I know the answer to this, do you believe that everyone, and I really mean like Everyone should have multiple streams of income.
1: I mean, should in, in, in what regard, in order to, to live, in order to take care of basic expenses?
0: Um, um I would say, it, well, yeah, in order to, like, live. Because if I get all of my income from one place, that's, like, putting all my eggs in one basket, right? So, like, in order to live. And I'm talking, so the average American lives paycheck to paycheck. So let's talk about the average American. You live from paycheck to paycheck. Do you think that person should get a second stream of income or just like just stick with one and just hope that they never have an issue?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, um, again, it's one of those like it depends type of questions. It depends on the lifestyle you want to live, right? If somebody's making $80,000 a year, but they're only spending a grand a month on expenses because their house is paid off or whatever the case may be. You, do you need a second stream of income? No, you don't need it. Um, if, if, you get fired, if you get fired from your job, you have to find a new one. Okay, you find a new one, right? If you become disabled, that's what disability insurance is for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there are ways around it. Um, for, but I will say for those people that find that they're in a position where their lifestyle is severely creeping up on their actual income that's coming in, um, that multiple streams of incomes are 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 always it's never frowned upon, right? As long as you have the time and the energy and the effort to actually put forth and do it, and it actually turns into income and not just an added expense. Everybody thinks that just because you build a business and you're and you run a business that you're making money. When a lot of times, especially in the beginning, it costs a whole lot more than it does coming in in the beginning. Um, so just being cognizant of that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we, we live in a world where a lot of people need two sources of income. So the mom and the dad have to work, where traditionally it's just the dad that's working. There are still some of those pieces that, that work depending on where you live and the income. Um, so, I mean, it really depends. Does everybody have to? No. Um, am I the kind of person that I enjoy trying to build businesses and bringing other pieces of income in and doing this and doing that? Absolutely. Um, But that's just kind of like my mo and just my adhd that doesn't allow me to sit still um regardless of anything and so it it, you know sometimes it works out in my favor and sometimes i get burned um and so it's all part of that and so uh, again it's one of those like it depends depends. answers um not to be dodgy um and unfortunately a lot of the questions that i get asked like i have to be it it really is it really depends because it's a lot deeper of a question Sometimes we don't realize that we're asking five questions with one, um, even though, you know, we, we think it's a very simple one. It really depends on what the, the outcomes are. Um, are we saving? Are we not? Uh, do we, do we want to retire? Do we not? Uh, are we trying to buy a home? Are we not? What, what are we qualifying for? What type of life, life do we want to live? I know people that they're like, you want to know what? I'm retiring at 40 years old. I got $500,000 to my name and I'm living in an RV, in an RV um, that's paid off and I'm going to go hunt for food. Right? And I'm like, I'm not living that lifestyle. If you can live it, great, right? you don't need a second, right? Um, but I'm not doing that. So for me, it is a, a slightly different conversation. For you, it's going to be a different conversation than me and the person next to us. So um, for those of you that say, hey, I, I want more out of life, or I want to be able to save more, spend more, or do this, then the only way to do that is to increase your income in some capacity. So the simple answer to that question is, yeah, go get a sec- second source of income, wherever that may be. Um, but if you're content with where you are and how life is and you're on a trajectory to where you want to be, you don't need to do more work. Um, it's more of a choice on that front. So hopefully that answered both yeah. sides of the coin. I, I pretty much agree with you, but there, there's a you know there's a disclaimer in there as well.
0: Yeah. And actually I honestly understand when you say like you ask a question, and you think it's like a simple question, like actually this is a very broad question with twenty five different questions in it. Because like just me even like being like, Okay, y'all ask me anything on Instagram, someone be like, Okay, like my glute hurts my squat. Can you help me? I'm like, Woo, that is not a one sentence answer. I'm sorry. Um, next question like <laughs> So I totally get that. I do want to ask you about you a little bit. I'm not going to get too. Okay. Well, we'll see how personal I get. I'm trying not to get too personal. Um, or to ask questions you can't answer. But for you yourself, um, do you want to aim right now to make more income in your job as a financial planner? Or to really dive into making more income as a power lifter? Just like. Because, you know, as a power oh, lifter, yeah. you're getting, you know, sponsors and stuff like that. Like Which one are you, right at the moment, focusing more on to get more income from?
1: Oh, so focusing more on that simple obviously my my financial um, planning practice um, just because I think long term it, it it's a it's a better play and there's more income to be made from it um, if built correctly and in the right fashion um, but as of recently I have focused a lot more on, using powerlifting, lifting this platform, this sport um, as a way to also just generate income in a way that I didn't necessarily think is possible a couple of years ago when I first started um, or three and a half years ago, maybe four now when I first started. Um, so um, my main focus is always the main thing. I'm a big believer in keep the main thing the main thing. Um, and that's me trying to build the best practice that I possibly can um, in, in the financial world. Um, but I am also looking um, at different things and collaborating with different people, and hopefully it comes to fruition soon. And we'll have some nice announcements for you um, uh, to, to build some stuff out um, within powerlifting and also just things outside of powerlifting that I'm trying to build as well. Um, so, the answer is both.
0: <laughs> Which is a good answer. And I figure you would say you're more focused on the financial because that makes sense, right? It is more long term. Like, you're not going to powerlift until they die, probably, if I had to guess. Um, but, um, unless you die young. Um, but- Unless yeah, you want to be a powerlifter, you're like 85. Some people do that too, but okay, good answer. Obviously, you're making more like as financial planner, right? Than as a powerlifter. Um, is there? Am I right?
1: Yeah, I'm not making much of the powerlifting <laughs> I stuff. Was I was saying, if, wait, I, if, I, if I if I wasn't
0: beating that, <laughs> I wouldn't
1: even be on the screen with you. I wouldn't be able to afford the computer that I'm on. <laughs> 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 so I would hope so, right? Um, but you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully, powerlifting comes up a little bit more soon. Um, uh, Got win Sheffield first, I guess,
0: right? <laughs> Ooh, yes. Uh, can um, I ask you? You can say no if you don't want to answer. In what ways are you trying to make? like increase your income via powerlifting?
1: Um, yes, yeah, so I, I guess broadly um, there is an app that I'm going to try to work on with a, uh, a buddy of mine. The details of it I won't particularly share just because things aren't done and all of that. Um, uh, on top of that, um, the potential of, you know, getting a little bit into coaching, not saying that it's going to be like a full-blown um powerlifting coaching practice where I got 300 clients that I'm working with and that I'm flying all over the country every single week just I don't have the bandwidth or the time for that. But bu- building that out some just because I found that um, there's, a, there's a lot of saturation of it and a lot of people don't know what they're doing and just like small things that I just know through working with Joey, with working with football coaches all my life, with working with other strength and conditioning coaches that I just know that's basic knowledge I look at some things and just tips that I give. I'm like, you pay $600 a month for this. Uh, I don't, I don't understand. You pay 400. You pay whatever for this, and it's just like, I mean, this this is absurd to me, right? Um, but, and I'm sure you know this. That you, you probably see the same thing all the time, right? Um, what seems extremely technical to me in the powerlifting and fitness world is probably extremely simple to you, vice versa, to finance and and all that. Um, and so, yeah, as I continue to learn more and as I continue to kind of build my base and, um, probably try to build that up some as well, just to kind of be a part of the sport because I'm not going to be lifted forever. Um, but right now I do enjoy the sport enough that, you know, I, I see it being a part of my life in some capacity for a decent period of time. So if it's helping other people after that, then that's also part of the game there. Um, outside of that, um, Also trying to, you know, just like sponsorships and stuff like that, trying to scoop those up like everybody else in the world. Um, Also utilizing powerlifting and the World Championship and everything else to get into public speaking. Mm. Um, That was one big reason why I went to the IPF and decided to go that route, um, just from like a public speaking standpoint um it's a lot easier to get engagements to get gigs to be able to um uh, grow that brand if you can put world champion in front of your name um and on top of the fact that when i first started that was like the main goal that i had in the beginning anyway um so you know those are a couple avenues um hopefully an app that's going to be coming out um, soon is a relative term um hopefully in the next 365 days um Um, and then uh you know just you know the -the run-of-the-mill coaching piece as well as uh you know some public speaking to come from just things that i do there and whatever else comes from the sport as it comes i don't i'm not i don't think i'm getting into apparel or anything like that it's i I don't care enough i'm not designing anything uh I might make one shirt just to say, hey, I made a shirt, but I, no, nah, I'm not doing that. You sound exactly
0: like me in that regard. <laughs> like People have been like, are you going to make a shirt for your podcast or for your company? I'm like, I might literally make 20 shirts one time, give them out and call it a day, but I do not care to dive into the yeah. real world. It's, oh.
1: Actually, you want to know what? This is the one thing I'm going to make. Forget the shirts. This is, this, And whoever wants to collab with me on this, this is the open call right now. So if anybody knows me, you know that every time I walk into the gym, my gym bag is a carry-on suitcase because when you come to the gym, it's a business trip. We're not here to play around. It's a business trip. We're here to get things done. So I am working on the prototype for a gym bag suitcase, right, fully stocked, fully prepared for powerlifting and all your needs. Um, so let me know your thoughts. Anybody wants to collab with me on that, I will make that, and I'll, 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 definitely, I'll definitely do that because – i think that's fun and nobody else is doing that and i just like being different i just want to see everybody walking around with suitcases because y'all you know, used to make fun of me um and now that you know things are on the other foot and <laughs> we've elevated some now it's like oh yeah this is dope it's like oh yeah no keep the same energy um <laughs> no but all your sister. Died. um no that, that actually is something that like i thought about and i was like it'd be kind of fun or cool um just to like kind of do it one time for the one time i'm not an apparel person i'm not big into fashion in the sense that I want to create designs and and do all of that and have to stay up with trends. So it's probably going to stay more, um, on like, you know, public speaking, coaching, um, sponsorships, um, likeness, stuff like that, and impacting people in that way. I'll leave all of that to the more creative people (laughs) on that sense.
0: Nice. Okay. This is my final question for you. Are you heavily motivated by money?
1: Absolutely absolutely. Um, I think we all are in some capacity regardless of what you look at and, and you can't name a single thing in this world that doesn't tie back to money in some capacity right um, And so if I look at you know how I want to provide for my future family when that day comes, it all you know requires me to make money. Right. If I look at hey, me wanting to continue to go to the gym and powerlift and do this and do that, equipment, apparel, trips, all this, all it costs money. Um, the roof over your head costs money. Um, and so I am definitely heavily motivated by money because it allows me to it allows me the opportunity to live the life that I hope to live or want to live, and allows me to do the things that I want to do. Um, is it to the point that like uh, I'm like greedy and I'm trying to you know, some people get to the point that they try to do underhanded things for it. No, it's not that. Um, but I think that we all are motivated by money in some capacity, um, whether we think so or not, right? Um, because it ties back to literally everything that we do, right? Your health is tied to money. <laughs> your 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 living situation is tied to money. Your like every, everything. Um, and so, yeah, I'm definitely heavily motivated by money. Um, that's why I chose to be in this field. Um, it it's it's a field that I think outside of medicine is probably the most impactful area of somebody's life that you can touch. And I can even make the argument against medicine because you need money in order to pay for any type of medication or services. Um, But I I like being able to impact somebody's life past just the physical sense. Um, And, you know, I've had people break down in my office and crying, right, because of things that are going on in life that they want to accomplish and they're overwhelmed. Like, uh, you know, the things that we do help children go to school help people that think that they're never going to retire have a a, a road to retire um and so being able to touch people and impact people in that way um you know is also why i chose you know the field that i'm in and so uh i'm motivated by money i make sure i i make the argument that everybody is motivated by money um to what capacity you are motivated solely by the money is up to you but yeah i think it's a means to an end and I, i think that it's a it's a wonderful tool that you can use effectively once you learn how to.
0: Mm. Thank you for your very honest answer. I love that answer. (laughs) I really do. Cause yeah, I also am heavily motivated by money. So I I like to hear, like, an honest answer because I feel like the average person would be like, well, you know, like, uh, no. Like, because, you know, all of a sudden somehow talking about wanting a lot of money makes you sound greedy and bad. But, like, you don't have to be greedy to want a lot of money at all, actually.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of psychology that goes into it, and I'm going to try to not go on a tangent. Um, but <laughs> one thing that I find is being in this field, it's it's actually not about money a lot of times um being in this field and being able to impact people it's really really the most important part of the job is understanding like the human psyche and how people make decisions and why they make decisions and so i analyze a lot of people a whole lot harder than they think i do um and i I see things kind of happen before they happen because of that just because of the nature of my job and i've been trained to try to understand people on a higher level and so there's a number of reasons why like why people say, okay, I'm not heavily motivated by money. Some of that is just their relationship with money in the past, um, whether it be an overabundance of it or just not enough of it. And so it becomes a bad topic either way. And so for them to say, hey, this is something that I want, it kind of brings out some other trauma that's kind of going on. Um, And also like when we think in a mind or a state of scarcity, um, if we say that we're motivated and we want something that we don't necessarily have a lot of, whatever a lot is to us, that kind of starts eating at our self-worth mm. right um and so like I, I made this comment on kotl all the time and also in, at uh an engagement that i did with my old uh college team we we all think that we are better than we are in almost every capacity of our life and when we have real concrete data that fights against that belief that we're better than we actually are um, it, we either need to say that that data is wrong or we need to look at ourselves and say that we need to be better, we, we're not as good as we are and a lot of times it's a whole lot harder to self-reflect on ourselves than it is to kind of look at um, uh, somebody else and point the finger over there. And so that's where some of like those comments come from. It's uh, you know, I, I think it's more fear based and like kind of scarcity based on that front and I think it's also not understanding the correlation between everything. Um, again, like I said, people think that your insurance is a totally different conversation than your investments. is a totally different conversation than your estate planning. Um, I believe that all of those things affect the other, right? And so, when you realize how so many aspects of our life actually form together with each other and affect the other in one way, shape, or form, you'll realize that money is one of the most important things in this entire world whether or not you value it to the point that you want money just for the sake of saying you have a million dollars in your bank account or you want money because this is the money that you're going to use to send your daughter to college or retire your mom or buy the home that you wanted or do whatever it is that you want to do or live the life you want to live, um, there's a correlation back to it. And so uh, there's a lot of psychology to it. Um, there's a lot of times why people don't you know, seek out accounting help or financial help because it makes them have to look into things that they you know put down the shade window shades on in that metaphor earlier um and so yeah uh, there's a lot of psychology to it but i'll leave it there because i can go on a tangent about psychology for hours in and of itself um cause i think it's pretty fascinating fascinating how how people think
0: Woo, y'all if you didn't learn something from this podcast you weren't paying attention delaney thank you so much for joining me I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this and hopefully my questions were, even though they're broad, <laughs> they were dumbed yeah. down enough that I feel like everyone can learn something <laughs> if you don't know a lot about yeah, money, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah,
1: no, absolutely. Hopefully it was helpful. Um, if anybody has any questions, you guys know how, where to find me. Delaney Wallace, aka World Strongest Accountant. And if they want
0: to work with you, how they work with you?
1: Um... Yeah, uh, easy way for anybody on the podcast. I'm assuming a lot of it's going to be people coming from like Instagram or something like that. You can shoot me a DM and uh, we'll kind of carry everything over from there. Um, Or uh, even if you just go to my website, DelaneyMWallace.com, you'll be able to get my information there as well. One way or another, um, you'll be able to reach out. I'm pretty easily accessible um, and, and we'll go from there.
0: awesome thank you again friend and y'all catch you next time on the power and lifting podcast guys thank you so much for listening do not forget leave a 5 star review leave a rating if you're listening on apple Podcasts, or you can still leave a review or I believe just a rating actually if you're listening on spotify we're on youtube as well make sure if you like youtube you subscribe to it so you can see all of our posts from the podcast and everything else on solana underscore lift YouTube guys enjoy your day and thank you so much for listening